What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk It Out Podcast. Hello. We are back. I know you were not expecting it, or maybe you were, but here we are. It's your girl, Gabby. And KT. And uh, <laughs> so much has gone on. It's almost like we just came out of like a, a, a portal and we're just been transported to 2020 because our last episode it was a whole nother world now we're we've gone into the apocalypse now so uh here we are um make sure you hit us up on our social media we're trying to get back on it um instagram at talk it out podcast twitter i'm always retweeting stuff on there talk it out underscore pod we have our own personal um handles KT's Instagram is at KT underscore does art. Mine is at Gabby's Music, G-A-B-B-E-A-T-S Music. Uh, hit us up on there as well. So, Joy is not here. We kind of just did this on the spur of the moment, but definitely if this is a consistent thing, she will be invited to come and uh, give us some of the conservative viewpoints that sometimes we need. Okay, so let's get right into it. You know how we do it. I just want to let y'all know, on today's topics, mm. we're going to be talking about defunding the police, reparations, and how capitalism is not going to save us. So we coming right out the bag, just going ham, like we always do. But I think we've we've actually uh, progressed, and we've gotten even more radical. far right and radical. I mean, far right. Whoa. Far left and <laughs> radical. Uh, so, uh, stay tuned. Okay. So... As we know, 2020 has been a smorgasbord of chaos, mm. as well as the end of 2019. Bernie Sanders is out of there. We have Joe Biden, who said, I'm not black because I can't decide between Trump and Joe Biden. He has decided my race for me, so he is the one I need to vote for. We got him. Coronavirus has ravaged the world, and it's taken over 100,000 lives Economy. Or about 100,000 lives in America. It's affected me personally on both sides of my family. Um, so Trump has dropped the bag with that. Economic decline, recession, people are losing their jobs, the highest unemployment in to date. Um, and we have riots in the streets because of the George Floyd situation. So um, would you like to talk anything about... What we have missed a little bit uh, about how you're feeling about this year before we get into the main deal. Not really. I just want to say that I 2020 is, uh, I think we should all just go ahead and go on back to tw- uh, 2019. I don't know. I kind of hated 2019, too. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were going to say, go on the glory. Well, no. maybe we're up with me. I mean, maybe we need that, too. So Go on the glory. Go on the glory. Uh, In a country woman. So, uh, all right. So this is this is kind of where we want to shift the conversation because hashtag Black Lives Matter has become kind of how pride is now, where it's become corporatized and it doesn't mm-hmm. really, it doesn't hold the radical sting that it did in 2016. Right. Back in 2016, if you put a Black Lives Matter on your profile or you had a t-shirt you was finna get looks from all white people from everywhere and what do you mean not like matter what do you mean i mean you're still gonna get that now but 
doggone Netflix put Black Lives Matter. Nickelodeon. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not that much of a radical thing anymore. So I don't think we should be even putting that much energy into that conversation. I, I hate seeing that on Facebook. I don't want to see one more post from a black person, a white person, nobody explaining. Black Lives Matter isn't racist. That don't mean all lives don't matter. We just talking <laughs> about voice. the black lives because they the one. If you don't start. The people that don't understand that, they understand, but they're committed to acting ignorant just to, 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 to uh, what do you call it, validate their racism. You know what I'm saying? You're wasting breath. Okay, so where do we go from here? So I think the media at this point is trying to make this uprising only about the George Floyd case. Um, and they're doing it so that if we get the verdicts that um, we want for those cops, um, It'll they stop. can convince everybody to, oh, we'll go back home. It's over with. Justice has been served. This right. is America. We're doing a great job. This is how this is how the law and order system works, yada, yada, yada. So I think that's kind of what's in mainstream America's head. That's kind of what some people still are not getting that this is something that happens all over America. This ain't right. just a Minnesota police department problem. This isn't like I, like people always say or like I've said, like this isn't. Uh, this isn't a singular system that's happened, right? It's systematic, period. And honestly, for many activists that have been dealing with this or have been thinking about this, we, we don't just want you to defund Minnesota police. We want you to uh, completely eradicate police Period. Police have killed thousands of people over, you know, uh, tons of years since they've been here for 400 plus years. At some point or another, we have to say, okay, well, there's other options and, and try and figure out a different route. So let's go to that, defunding the police. Uh, I think this is probably going to be the only thing that's going to work at this point because... Um, We've tried, the, the city of Memphis activists have tried, our civil rights leader ancestors have tried. They tried to do the boards where people, where the citizens had, you know, were able to um, have input in the police department. They've tried more sensitivity training more and cameras. cultural sensitivity. We've tried the body cameras. Right. We've tried all that stuff, but here's the thing of the matter. And this is what I'm trying to, uh, what, what analogy I've used, and it's, it's worked for everybody I've talked to. So if you're in a system, in a job, and everybody, for the most part, is able to get away with murder, literally. They're able to uh, harass people, you know, beat them and steal from them and lie on them and just arrest them for no reason. That's what you're surrounded by. And you're a good guy, a good cop, as they say. And you're like, oh, no, this, this isn't going to work. We can't allow this stuff. And you start to report them to the higher-ups in that same place where they already know what's going on. You start reporting to, to the higher-ups. You start reporting to the newspapers. You start reporting to the news uh, channels. Do you think you're going to last very long at that job? Do you Not think they want a snitch in their job? So what do you think happens to all these, quote-unquote, good apples in the police department? 
They either get kicked out, blackballed, blacklisted, or they end up conforming to the system. And even then, these these police chiefs and stuff, they're like, well, we can't fire them so quick. We got to go through all this bureaucracy. So why aren't you pushing to make it easier to fire cops that are doing wrong? You know this is the system. I don't see you speaking up about it until somebody trying to put pressure on you. So you're you're complacent with the system as the way it is, and you're complacent with all the the craziness and the wrongdoing going around. I mean, we know we know why they they continue to um, you know not have those avenues to actually weed out the quote unquote bad apples because of power. Think about it, like uh, the police are m- militarized at this point, right? Even peaceful protesters out here are still being held AK-47s around them, and they're still being tear-gassed, and and things like that are happening. But also, when we talk about, like, defunding the police, I know a lot of people will feel like, okay, well, it's not not possible, and how are y'all going to do that all at once? But, like, as a reminder, defunding the police and changing the police... Uh, a system thing that's happened for literally centuries now, it's going to be gradual, right? It's not just something that we're going to just be able to do all at once. There's a a certain procedure that we got to do. And, you know, previous activists and civil rights leaders and leaders, period, have already for years and years and years now outlaid these blueprints for us right so now we have to actually put them into action we can't just keep repeating the same thing they're saying and then expect things to change because it just it's not working anymore there's got to be something else outside of what we're currently doing read some of the information that you have on uh, defunding the police how in what ways can people go about it and also what what would you uh, say to people who are hesitant about uh, not having cops around? They think cops are the one doing us a service and are protecting us. And what will you do when the robbers come to your house? What will you do when you're getting beat up? What will you do if you're sexually assaulted? Speak to some of those uh, concerns people may have. Okay, so uh, in regards to... Police protecting us. I want y'all to think about the history of police. The history of police has been violent since the very beginning. Um, From rounding up slaves to now being militarized, right? So, literally from the beginning, police's only, only position in society has been to enforce oppression. So, um... Rather than, you know, strangers with guns coming into neighborhoods to try and uh, patrol these same neighborhoods that they're oppressing, why not have, you know, like, victims or social workers or, like, neighbors, religious leaders, things like that come out and help instead, right? Uh, They're going to be better trained on de-escalation tactics. They're going to be better trained on... Things like that, and they'll be unarmed. So that that's that part. Um, then, uh, like you said, what about armed bank robbers, murderers, and things like that? Uh, again, think about the history. Like it, that's what it, it goes back to. Think about crime. It's not random, right? Um, 
most of the time it's going to happen whenever someone is is not able to meet a basic need why do people rob stores for money because they don't have access to the things that they need right why do people uh a break into cars and, and steal cars because they don't have access to a car and they and they need that to get back and forth to their job or something along those lines. Like crime isn't random. There's systems that have been into place that have marginalized plenty of groups of people, black people, non-black people of color for years and centuries. So really what what uh the the part of the campaign would be to use the money that was going to go to the police and put it into stuff that's going to prevent crime in the future, aka the education system, job, uh, helping get jobs, investing mental health, mental health investing in like uh, better housing for people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Better, just a better, uh, adequate way of living. Because as KT said, I think a lot of people think that. You know, that's why, you know, I'm not I'm not impressed by uh, black, just having black people in leadership because they can still be classes in the mud. I think people think that poor people are inherently uh, violent and evil and, you know, just just immoral people. Addicts. Um, because, I mean, think about it. when you're going to these rich neighborhoods, how many rich people are are stealing? How many rich people are uh, doing anything that we would uh, describe as like like a robbery or a grand theft or you know stuff like that that we claim that we need these people for? Now, not saying you still won't have uh, obviously domestic violence, sexual assault, stuff like that. But that would come to come through putting money into the mental health services as well. Right. But with people having adequate, adequate, uh, how nice places to live, not just having a house, a nice house, having jobs where they're making a decent wage, they don't have to struggle and worry, and that's more stress on them. Having adequate education so they can literally work anywhere they want in the city. They're not limited to minimum wage jobs. They're actually, the, the minimum wage jobs should be high-wage jobs and stuff like that. If we did that, that would cut back on so much crime, I swear to you now. there, There's also people who, uh, who basically say, well, how come you don't fund the police and also these other alternatives that you're mentioning? And I just want to say that it's not just that police are ineffective, but they're also actively causing crimes. Now, when I say that, Again, think about the history of how police come to be, right? All police are is violence against marginalized people enforcing oppression, period. So it's bigger than just, you know, police brutality like we're talking about. It's the prison industrial complex. It's uh, the drug war, immigration law, uh, laws, period, cultures that form around the, you know, the criminal justice system. So it's more than just that. What, what, what's very interesting watching these protests and the framing of the media is, if you weren't on Twitter, you really wouldn't know what was going on. If you were just watching on NBC or watching on Facebook, you wouldn't know at all what was going on. On Twitter, you can find about 100 videos now of people minding their business 
and getting mollywopped by the cops, tear gassed by the cops, maced by the cops, beat by the cops, shot by the cops, stabbed by the cops, all in a matter of like two weeks. These people, and, and there's cameras showing it. And like this guy, Jimmy Dore, that I watched, he said that cops have literally a monopoly on violence. Yeah. If you saw, uh, if you're walking down the street and you saw cops beating up a man, what's your first thought? Well, obviously he did something to deserve it, I guess, because the cops would never just, just gang up on one man and, and beat him up. But if you were just walking around and you just saw some regular guys ganging up on somebody and beating them up, a lot of people would intervene and say, hey, what's going on? Right. Even if you were to go to the cops and say, hey, what's going on? Don't you know they could still, they could find a way to try to arrest you uh, for trying to just see what was going on? They do it all the time. The way that these cops, they're, they're working like, it, they're not here to protect you and me. They're not here to protect us. That's why they will walk up to you and mace you in the face just for standing somewhere. They're here to protect who? The government, enforce their laws, and the, the, the 1%. Why do I say the 1%? Who influences most of the policies in America? Is it you or is it Jeff Bezos? Is it Bill Gates? Is it Warren Buffett? Is it Google? Is it uh, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg? They're the ones that are sitting with these uh, elected officials, uh, lobbying for policies that they want. And they're the ones that get what they want. And if you are challenging that, like people are in the streets by looting and rioting and standing up and saying this is not right, you're going to get shut down. So... There's really no, the police aren't here for us. They're not our allies. So why would we invest our time into putting more money into them and making them bigger, larger, more violent? It it just don't make no sense. Right. So I want to talk about what you just said, like the very last part there where you were talking about, um, is it, you know, who is actually influencing these laws? Who's infor- influencing these things? And uh, you said it right. It's corporations, right? It comes down to capitalism. And this is something we want to talk about, too, about how capitalism is not going to save us, okay? It's not. Capitalism is inherently oppressive. Uh, the only way you have capitalism is if someone is profiting off of your labor, okay? So that right there, if someone is profiting off of your labor, then that's automatically oppressive, period. Like, no one should be a profiting off of your labor. Uh, so what does that mean when you say profiting off your labor? I mean, look at people like uh, uh, Apple CEO, I, I, I work for um, a company that works with Apple, and literally, I'm the one that takes the abuse every day from the customers. I'm the one that has to de-escalate these calls. I'm the one that is being paid uh, $16 an hour to be on the phone call and take all the bull from all these customers and have to answer to them and all of their questions. But who is profiting from these from these uh, customers that are calling and cursing me out every day. It's the CEO. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not me. I'm taking all the abuse, but I'm not profiting from it. I'm 
not the one that's making all the money. It, who it, it's the people up at the top. It's the 1% that's profiting from the labor of people. And think about the people who make, make the doggone phones. Right. The people in China, they had to put up suicide nets because the working conditions were just so bad and they're getting paid pennies. Yep. They are literally assembling the phones. If it was not for them, you would not have a phone. Are they getting any type of equal percentage off of the sale of those phones? No sirree. And I but, don't want no one to come on here and talk about ethical capitalism. Well, we need ethical capitalism. We don't need ethical capitalism. We don't need capitalism, period. Because it was a great uh, analogy from Stokely, Carmich Stokely Carmichael. And he was talking about how capitalism in itself, it, it almost it makes society worse. Because, right. like he was saying, in the 70s, uh, America at that time was the most technologically advanced country in the entire world. And he was saying, if we're this advanced, how come the cars in the 1940s were better than the cars in the 1970s? They literally created cars, like they do now, to last about two years, then break down so that you have to get another one. When literally they could make cars that could last you a decade. But... Even think about the phones, like the Nokia phone. In the 90s, you could drop it from a building, you could throw it in a washing machine, you could flush it down the toilet, and that junk would still work. The iPhone 11, 13, whatever they get now, you barely, you barely <laughs> move, and, and it's in your pocket, and it don't work no more. Nope. Um, but, but it costs a thousand and some dollars, and a Nokia phone, maybe back in the day, cost you about 70 bucks. So... And they, you got to think about it, too. They put these out, these uh, corporations, they put new phones out every single year. Why? Think about why they do that. Think about consumerism and how, uh, if, I mean, if we're not making anything more than, you know, minimum wage, seven twenty-five, and then you're expected also, because of classism, to upgrade always to the iPhone 11, then you wonder why so many people are in debt. Like, all this... This all combines together, right? Capitalism encompasses everything and intersects everything. I think the main point of this is we as Americans have to realize something. We've all, we're, we're one of the youngest countries as far as, as a first world country. We're one of the youngest. Right. We've only not had slaves. We, not we. But America has only not had slaves for like 200 something years. So... They don't even know how to navigate, really, an economy without uh, having free labor. So, I don't know why we think that just because things have been a certain way for a little bit of time, that it has to stay that way. There are so many different types of governments and economies and ways of life, and there's stuff we ain't even came up with yet. So I don't know why people are thinking that capitalism is the only way. I think it's probably because it's just what we're accustomed to and anything different, people get scared. And that's why when Bernie Sanders was talking about Medicare for all, they just threw that socialism word out there and people got scared because we as Americans are taught that the way that the founding fathers written, wrote everything out was literally sent by God. Nothing can be questioned. Everything must stay the same. But I encourage you guys to research yep. 
because we don't have to have police. Shoot, we don't have to have a doggone president. We don't have to have no doggone Supreme Court. We don't have to have a Congress. We ain't even got to have a doggone state. Nope. These are all things that's just here. But we have the power to change anything and everything if we get the knowledge to do so. And I think that's really going to be uh, our, at least my focus uh, for people that I know to tell, just challenge them to uh, explore the political imagination there are so many possibilities in this world, in this universe. We're not even probably only living beings in this universe. And y'all over here trying mm. to get stuck in some doggone uh, capitalism. And, and, and uh, working for doggone $10 an hour. And you're going to allow them to give you a $1,200 check to, to, to last you for four months. And you think that that's somehow good. We have got to do better. So... We talked about defunding the police. I think that's something everybody should look into. Um, there's ways. And, and, and I want people to not be afraid to, to ask questions and, and to look these things up. But I also want you to think about, like, if we say, like, what about this and what about that? Usually, if there's a somebody robs your house, the police don't come right then. Somebody then already robbed it. The most that they do is you file a police report, and then you file for your insurance, and you get it or whatever. If if a lot of times, if we've been real, especially in Memphis, people talking about uh, sexual assault and and rape and stuff like that. Memphis had. So many untested rape kits that it's just ridiculous. The way that the MPD handles women or just people in general that report rape is just horrendous. Is so this? you don't have to. So you don't have to think. Don't feel like because you ain't finna have police, there's gonna be no accountability for criminals and people who do wrong. Because even right now, the the police ain't doing nothing to help in the first place. Literally. So, also, I want to say, like, uh, when you say, you know, asking questions, is it is absolutely imperative that you question everything. Even these leaders that you follow, question them. Question us. If you're, if you are, uh, you're unsure about certain things, look it up. Like you were saying, like, this is so corny, but knowledge is power. Literally, the more you know, the more you're going to see it, and the more you're going to be like, hey, that's not right. That's not a human uh, right. Um, uh, you're, yeah, you're just right, period. That's yeah. it. So, so, that's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, just think about, like, maybe think to yourself. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, take your time to think about certain things. Like, if we didn't have police... What could we do to make sure these services that the police are supposed to do can be done and taken care of? Right. And also, um, don't be afraid to also, um, you know, be unknowing of certain things either. I think it's really sometimes scary whenever you're an activist or you're pursuing politics or you're reading about politics or listening to them where you're unsure about what certain things mean or uh, you don't know, you know, why something might be happening that way as opposed to another. Everyone has their place in the movement and everyone has their place in politics. Uh, whether that means that you're on the back end or you're, you're like the protests that are happening and you're on the front line uh, taking the tear gas. Like literally everyone has their place in politics and you're welcome. You're welcome. Memphis.
the place where Martin Luther King died, the place where a lot of black activists uh, came and uh, did a lot of radical work is having a time of peaceful protest. Yay! That's great, isn't it? Nashville, hick town, <laughs> done burned down their court. Has burned down the courts, Minnesota, all the places that you wouldn't expect are just going in. Atlanta, they went in. Yep. Every place, people were just waiting for Memphis to go in. Let me let me let y'all in on a little secret. That probably could have happened, and it probably still will happen. But um, what's been happening is. The Memphis Police Department yep. has hired people to co-opt the local activist movement in Memphis, Tennessee. Hold hands with white people. So this guy, his name is Devontae Hill. Look him up on the news. Look him up and you might find some more news that ain't about this. <laughs> Um, so, last week, Wednesday, some activists came and they protested on, they shut down Union and the police were there and it got violent. They arrested some people and it was really bad. The next day, this random guy pops up. It's raining, not that many people are downtown, but he's there with the majority white crowd. He's there with the megaphone. He's talking to him. I cut on the audio on Fox 13. And he's over there thanking all the white people for about an hour. Ugh. And saying, I love you, white people. You my white brother. I love you, white people. You my white sister. I love you this. I love you that. Let's come together. Unity. Love. Peace. Ew. Let's do all that. I turned it off. So even then, I was like, mm, cringe. Uh, the next day was a Friday, and everybody met up at the FedEx Forum. This time, it was a bigger crowd. It was like maybe about four, 400 people. Mm. And he was up there with the megaphone. Um, it was still predominantly white. He let some more people talk, but if it started to get on the more radical side, he took that megaphone with a quickness. Um... And still, it was a lot of, uh, thank you, white people, for coming. Thank you, Asian people, for coming. We love you this. We love you that. Peace this. Peace that. I'm mad. George Floyd. That's it. That's the only person that died. Black Lives Matter. I'm not naming any black women that died. I'm not letting any black women speak, really. I'm in charge. Everybody follow me down the street. He even gave the microphone to, like, white, old white women and had them talk about random stuff, like nothing even in yeah, regards to it. Yeah, he would he would say it. like, okay, this is a this is a Black Lives Matter movement. This is a for the black folks to talk. Literally, he would say, I need me an old white man to talk. Who cares? I need me an old white. Who cares what them folks think? I couldn't care Careless. at least. Anyways, so something I noticed was there was like four hundred people walking, and there was like no police presence. It was literally a parade down Bill Street. We were allowed to walk down all these businesses. Usually the police would have been like guarding some buildings or something like that. There were really nowhere to be found. Mm -mm. That was odd to me. And uh, 
So, KT ended up uh, confronting the guy on Facebook, asked him, okay, why aren't we saying the names of black women? Why are black women not allowed to talk? It seems more like a parade than anything, yada, yada, yada. And then more activist people start to speak out about it. And soon we found out that this guy is an opportunist and he has been hired by the MPD to implement peaceful protests. If you look at the crowd, the crowds are majority 90% white. 10% black. This is a 60% black community. I don't know how they got them demographics. Me either. But all them white folks wouldn't be there if they didn't think it was safe. Mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much what's been going on. And because of his work, the mayor of Memphis, who has been asked by local activists for years to meet with them, to talk about a list of demands that they have, that they want to see implemented. He, he didn't want to talk to them, but he went straight to Devontae Hill, and he said, this is the guy I'm going to talk to because he's been implementing peaceful protests that the MPD has created themselves. And so that's kind of what we're going through right now. It kind of reminds me of Cointel Pro. Obviously, it's not to that extent. But the fact that th- these local officials think they can quell the political environment at this time by adding a black face that they appointed and then saying they're going to talk with them quote unquote and stuff is going to get done like obviously they think we're dumb obviously because i know for a fact they ain't finna do none of the demands that was listed some of the demands were uh get take that money from the police investing in other places uh and Invest more in public education. Uh, we need some oversight over where this uh, public education spending is going. We need oversight on the budget. We need um, investment in the black community, stuff like that. Like, this stuff is not going to get done with that guy. You know, it's like, you just saying that just made me think, like, you notice how the government is real bad at business handling they're good at their... No, it depends on what it is. It well, I mean, on what if it it's is. something they want to do, of course. But I'm talking about, like, business handling as far as regular, regular human rights. They can't handle nothing. All of a sudden, it takes five years to meet with this one protester. And they're just so busy. And they just this and that. But then, all of a sudden, this random guy comes out of nowhere with past run-ins with the police. And then, all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. Now they just, oh, we're open to holding hands and doing this and doing that. Like, what kind of business are y'all doing? And that's what I want to, I kind of want to go to, like, what what is a doggone protest? Because yeah. we know that this guy, Strickland, our mayor, he's in bed literally with these uh, corporations and businesses. Mm-hmm. Anybody that wants to put a business somewhere, he's going to get them the tax cuts. He's going to get them the land to develop. He's going to do all that. He's the gentrify king. So if those people ask him anything, he would get on it with the, with the quickness. No doubt about it. So what what we need to see is these white people want us to just march around Bill Street like we're marching around Jericho, and go home. So they can ignore it. The corporations want us to do that. And then we go home by 9 o'clock, and then they just keep ignoring that. What they don't want you to do is interrupt their commerce and their money. Right. That's why the real protests are ones that's stopping them from making money. 
They just did a protest not too long ago where they closed down that Memphis Bridge, which millions of dollars is transported in goods every from day. place to place every day on that one bridge. Yep. They successfully shut that bridge down, and then the bridge beside it, they made it go super slow. And you know what? The police came out in droves and was throwing tickets at even the Even the state troopers were out. State troopers Literally. was out there because they, it's money. And Capitalism, that's a like we talk about. And that's, that's going, and you know them, them uh, business people hit Jim Strickland up uh, fast yes. as a mud to say, you better do something about yep. this. Now think about think about okay so there was also another protest down one of our major roads uh called Germantown Parkway again it's a it's a major parkway it's a major road uh in the majority white part of the town right and so the the protesters actually stopped people from walking down the street and they, Stop people from driving. I mean, down driving the road. down the street, yeah. And so, uh, majority, uh, like they didn't have no one come down there for like twenty minutes, which just shows us that they didn't have any police in that area for one. Uh, and then number two, it shows us that there had to have been like more police presence downtown than there ever was like uh, everybody in the northern was, part of the everybody city. Everybody was suspecting downtown, <laughs> but when they finally came to the, to Germantown Parkway, it was it was a hoopla because yep. them white folks did not want all them people. They were gonna there. run people over. But that's that's what I'm saying. Protests. You have to disrupt something. A protest is not effective if you're just walking down the street because I can easily turn my head and, and wave my hand yep. and go on with it. But if you in people's faces stopping traffic, causing causing a peaceful, that's peaceful, peaceful. a peaceful act of civil disobedience, you finna get people's attention and you gonna annoy them enough, they gonna be calling the, the mayor in droves and begging him to do something time. about that. And then, then you can go and say, okay, we'll stop. But these are our demands first. And that's how you get stuff done. But, and that's, we, we have people that are doing that right now. But I just wanted people to be aware that, you know, the media is really pushing this whole peaceful protest thing with Devontae Hill. And it's just a fluff prop up by Strickland and the others to quell the real activists and to make people think that progress is happening when it's not. And I don't want people to fall for that. But yeah, so um, that's pretty much been uh, what we wanted to talk about. We'll get to reparations at another time. But I do want to encourage you again, read, 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 read some good books. KT was reading some good books. What you been reading, KT? Uh, how... I've been reading How Capitalism Underdeveloped Black America. Uh, also reading a Huey P, uh, P. Newton book right now um, called Revolutionary Suicide. Uh, definitely been reading all of the Marxist.org, Mao, uh, Lenin, stuff like that. So uh, just take a moment, you know, uh, and look up some books. They got a lot of PDFs online that you can download for education on that type of stuff. And even if you don't, you're not like too keen on reading. They have so many uh, videos. videos, like uh, what what channel was that on? On YouTube, Afro Marxists, yeah. and they have all these great interviews from these black great radical thinkers from the past. And what we want to do is 
get that. They've all, they've done the work. They've done the toiling. They've done the experiencing. They're telling you what the next steps are. But just go on and do it. You know what I'm saying? And thankfully, people are starting to wake up so we can get it done. Uh, I'm reading uh, uh, Angela Davis about uh, our prison's absolute. Uh, I don't think I'm all the way there yet. I'm just going to be real. But I'm trying to get my information up. I'm trying to expand my political imagination. And you never know what I might come to at the end. So, um, again, everybody keep fighting a good fight. Uh, obviously, we don't care about the looting and riding. Do what you got to do to get stuff done. Uh, and everybody stay safe out there because these police don't care nope. at all. Um, so, yeah, we will be back. Make sure you put some comments up in the SoundCloud. You can hit us up on our email, talkitoutpodcast at yahoo.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at talkitoutpodcast, on our Twitter at talkitout underscore pod. Hit KT up on her personal Instagram at KT underscore does art, and at my music Instagram at Gabby's Music, G-A-W-B-E-A-T-S Music. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. So, uh, this has been your girl, uh, Gabby. And Katie. And this has been Talk It Out Podcast. Talk It Out. Yeah.